0: Hi, friends. Since today's chat deals with the discussion of mental health, I want to mention that the content in this episode is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. I also want to say thank you to the patrons of the podcast. You can learn more about supporting the show at patreon.com slash diapersanddisciples. This is Diapers and Disciples, episode 76. On Diapers and Disciples, we're talking about living out the Great Commission as a mom. I'm Ambro Hearn, and today I'm chatting with wife and mother, Talia Kruzy, about an apostolate she started for Catholic women who struggle with bipolar. We talk about the importance of self-awareness, creating routines, and the journey of faith Talia has been on. I so appreciated Talia's honesty and encouragement, and I know you will too. Thanks for listening in today, friends. Here's my chat with Talia. Hi, Talia. Thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Thanks, Amber. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm excited to chat with you. We've been emailing back and forth for a while, and I always love having someone on that I um, have kind of been like touching base with beforehand. Mm -hmm. So uh, why don't you start us off and tell us a little bit about you and about your family, about your work?
1: Sure. Sure. So I am a wife and a mom. I've been married for four years. We just celebrated our four-year anniversary a couple of weeks ago. Oh, and happy anniversary. Yes, That's thanks. exciting. And um, we have a daughter who is almost three. She'll be three in a couple of weeks. And our son is almost a year and a half. And then we'll have another one in November here. So, oh, exciting. Yeah, so we are... Very busy. Um, I stay at home, so I'm a quote-unquote full-time mom, (laughs) I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, my husband has a typical 7.30 to 5.00 job, so I'm always grateful for that, that he's home pretty much every night. I recently just started a graduate program online, so that has been awesome. Um, Yeah, so I'm studying to get my master's in psychology from the Institute for Psychological Sciences, um, which is now part of Divine Mercy University. So
0: Oh, I haven't heard of that. Is that here in the US?
1: Yes, it's in Washington DC. And it's it's just a higher education school. So they have three programs. It's a masters in psychology. They have a master's in counseling and a PhD in clinical psychology, I believe. Or awesome. clinical and um it's Teaching psychology all through the vision of the Catholic Christian perspective of the person, of the human and of the person. Mm. So, oh, it's been so life-giving to just, just to be able to study psychology from that view. And it's just so Mm. on point. Like, just like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the program that I'm in is, is for lay people. And so it's very doable as a stay-at-home mom. And I've just been
0: really enjoying
1: that. So that's awesome.
0: I love that. That's so great. Yeah. And I hadn't heard of that before. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. So uh, when you think about uh, living out the Great Commission as a mom, what comes to mind for you? Well, I love this question
1: because it kind of just simmers it down to like, so what's your goal? What, you, know, yeah. like, you know, like, um, and obviously you could talk about this for, my goodness, forever. Mm-hmm. But when I really boil it down and I say, what is my yeah, how do I live out this great commission as a mom? I could just come to the point that I just, I want my kids to know and be firmly founded in the fact that by the time they leave home, they know that they are loved. Like they are Mm. undoubtedly and unconditionally loved and that they're made for goodness. Mm. (laughs) If I can just do that, um, I think that's going to just cover a multitude of of lots of things, because there's so much that I'm not going to be able to control. Um, I mean, of course, I hope that they stay Catholic, and I hope that they're really into their faith, and I really hope that they all like find their fulfillment in their vocations and all that stuff. Of course, we all want that for our children, but there's so much that I'm just not going to be able to control. And you know, the Lord is going to give them their own sufferings and their own gifts and their own talents. And if I can just kind of be the rock that, that emulates God's love to them that says, you know, um, that you are loved through all of that. That's my job as a mom, I guess. And
0: mm.
1: I think that having that security and kind of just that safe and loving place that they can always go to is is just very, very crucial and very important. And I know it was crucial and important in my own life, you know, just to be just to be founded in the fact that I'm made to be good and that i'm loved like that just really helped a lot, so I would say that's what I think of in my own
0: my own mission. I love that so Talia, you have an an apostolate i'd call it i guess a, a blog that you write for Catholic women. Um, struggling with bipolar. So I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about maybe when you were fi- first diagnosed with bipolar disorder and um, what that journey has been like for you.
1: Sure. So yeah, I just started this blog this past year and um, and then of course I started school. So it's like, okay, like um, yeah. kind of have to- That's a lot. Yeah. You know, you kind of balance out and you kind of go, okay. So the blog is kind of like a pet project and fun to do. And it's been very cathartic. And I think just very helpful to kind of get lots of thoughts out on, on paper and then to, to be able to share that with others. Um, it was just something I felt really called to for, for a while. But it is hard because you're like, oh, this requires some vulnerability a little bit. And at yeah. the same time, you don't want, you know, there's limits to what you want to share and all that. But um, so I was I was diagnosed with bipolar uh, type two. There's two types, type one and type two. So, I was um, diagnosed with bipolar type two, actually, as a result of a psychological evaluation that I underwent uh, as I sought to enter religious life. I discerned religious life for two and a half years with a community a great community and it's very it's very normal now for especially for healthy communities and especially for seminarians to undergo psychological evaluation as part mm-hmm. of your entrance. Curriculum, if you if you will, you know, um, being accepted, and then, um, you know, just kind of visiting some of those psychological things. So it's very intense. It's it's like a whole. I can't remember if it's a whole day or two days, but yeah, I mean, it's not like an online survey. (laughs) You have to be in person, and you answer all of these questions, and you write and you draw pictures, and you talk with the psychiatrist, and. So, I mean, it's very, very thorough, and thankfully, the community that I was seeking entrance in had their own psychiatrist, like a sister who was a psychiatrist. And so, you know, I had been accepted. I had written my letter. I had been accepted to to enter this community, but then when I did my psychological evaluation, she she came up with this diagnosis, and it didn't it didn't completely surprise me because um, it it does run in my family, and. College had been so unbelievably hard, but I kind of just thought, well, that's just college, you know, and it's college is just hard in general, (laughs) you know, Um, just because you're grappling with who you are and you're still growing. And, you know, the world just tells you so many things that you're like, "Mm, I'm not sure if that's true, you know, and, you know, so just spiritually and, and everything Um, I just thought that I chalked it up to that kind of, well, that's why college is so hard. And I had also chalked it up to, well, I'm just an intense person. Like I just feel things very passionately. So I'm either very excited or I'm very not excited. (laughs) So I just thought, I kind of thought that's what it was. But deep down, I really knew that there was probably really something more because I had gotten to a point where, I mean, and this is, true with any kind of mental illness when you get to a point in your daily life is really really hard and pretty pretty unstable it, it's it's a problem and the thing with bipolar is that it's it is hard because everybody has ups and downs and it's that that's it's a spectrum disorder you know it's not like i guess i guess i'm not qualified to say this but at the same time it's not you never just like oh well, you kind of have cancer. Like you either have it or you don't. Or right. I mean yeah. pregnancy isn't a disease by any means, but like you're never a kind of pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. And with bipolar which with a lot of things, it's a spectrum, you know, with just as like high blood pressure or cholesterol. Like at some point this is not normal. <laughs> and that that's what the research of scientists and psychiatrists for years, that's they just do all this research and they draw this line of this is when this is not normal. But so then that's just harder to diagnose, you know, because there's no, especially with bipolar, there's no like, there's no blood test that you take. You know, there's just no objective test that you can undergo. It's 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 pretty much just going through this evaluation. You know, whenever you get a diagnosis, you're kind of in a sense relieved that you're like, okay, so that's what it is. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're like, okay, so now what, you know? Um, right. So that kind of rocked my world in a, in a, in a sense. And I was very grateful that the the community still accepted me because I had looked into other communities. Cause I had, I thought at the time in college, I was on antidepressants and I thought I was just depressed, you know, which is Mm -hmm. very common for people with bipolar. They kind of think when they're doing awesome and they're, um, Everything's great. Everything's fine. This is their normal. They're probably a little hypomanic or manic, which, and that's, that's what, if I should say defines bipolar, you have these stages of um, either hypomania or mania, and then you have stages of depression. And like I said, it's the, it's everybody has ups and downs, right? But people with bipolar just have more extreme ups and downs and the speed at which that cycle Happens, you know, is also very abnormal. Um, or okay. Um, so for myself, I'm a kind of a rapid cycler. So, how how, how bipolar manifests itself in each person can be very different. Like I said, there's type one, which is full blown mania, um, with depression, and then type two, which is hypomania. So, you never really like, yeah, you never go into full blown mania, um, depression. And so, anyway, going back, I had, had been on antidepressants. I think my last half of college, and I knew that there were communities that didn't accept accept you if you were on antidepressants. So I was like, oh, <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so I was very, very blessed to still be accepted into this community. And they said, okay, we're going to, this is what you're going to do. <laughs> you're you're going to go to therapy for a whole month with the psychiatrist, who, the sister psychiatrist, and then um, I actually ended up doing a pre-postulancy program, which not all sisters did. Most sisters ended up just going into postulancy. But they had a pre-postulancy program for for certain women who just needed an extra year of like to grow in self-knowledge and just be self-aware and um, just something that maybe is not quite so rigorous. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of how that all started just with my diagnosis and and going through that. And it was... It was hard and it was really intense, but it ended up being the most healing experience of my life, really. And really, when I look back at my time in religious life, because obviously I, I ended up not, that ended up not being my lifelong vocation. I stayed for two and a half years and then discerned out. But when I look back now, I'm just like so thankful to God that I had that because I'm not really sure that I would have been able to get married, you know, or mm. I'm not sure that I would have been able to, to be a stay-at-home mom, let alone like just be the mom that I am, not that I'm perfect by any means, but just the ability to live a normal life and a life that is joyful and a life that is hopeful and that's huge. And anybody with bipolar will tell you that. They just want to live a normal life. So yeah, but there's, there's so much, I mean, there's, there's just, there was so much that changed, you know, I had to go on medicine and then I really had to work on just my having a daily routine. And what was the hardest was just dealing with how does this affect my identity? You know, um, I thought I was just a really passionate person and I was just really creative and I was really good at things and I was just had all these gifts. And now you're kind of, I kind of felt like now you're just telling me, oh, that's just a disease, <laughs> you know. Mm. And so it, that was really hard to kind of, okay, distinguish who am I and and where does this disease fit in? Then you know, and
0: and, and your time with that religious order um, when you went through that kind of uh, month long process, and then even I guess throughout the the rest of the the two years or so that you were there. Um, Did you feel like that was kind of the time when you were able to really start to maybe like wrestle with and process like what does this oh yes you know mean about me and yeah
1: yes absolutely I would think I think even just that first month of seeing a psychiatrist every day which you know I mean a lot of people like they think oh going to to a therapist or counselor like one time a week that's a lot you know. And so this was every day. So this was just very, like, exhausting mentally. But it was so good. And it, it was just hard because I think it took me that whole month just to come to terms with, like, okay, so I have this, <laughs> you know. And because I just kind of thought, oh, gosh, let's not dramatize everything. Everybody has a disorder now. And everybody has, you know. And I kind of played that card. I mean, even though deep down I was like, okay, maybe. Maybe. But I'm not like, I don't know, I I kind of was wrestling with perhaps maybe like the stigmas that you you grow up with, kind of thinking like, oh, people who have, you know, deal with X, Y, or Z, they're kind of crazy. You know what I mean? Or, oh, people who have to go on medicine, they're kind of weak. And, you, you know, you kind of wrestle with, all. oh, all of a sudden it's a humbling thing to go, okay. And to to deal with with that. So that was, I would say that was probably the first thing that was very, very hard. And then the practicals kind of came later because obviously you just can't work on practicals until you really accept the fact that, okay, all right, so this is a problem. This is what it is. But at the same time, it was so great to have a psychiatrist that said, um, I'll never forget. She told me, she goes, you're young. And if you work really hard and make some changes, you will live a normal life. And I remember that kind of struck me because, again, I had seen it run in my family and I had seen it just, you, you get kind of scared, you know, because you're just like, "Oh, mm-hmm. am I going to be like that? And the possibility is, is like, yeah, I could be like that if I don't work on this. Um, and the other scary thing was just that every case study that I read about, like, this person with bipolar, every single one had like some case of infidelity or alcohol abuse or drug abuse or just something like really drastic that I Hmm. was not, you know, I was like, oh, oh my, you know. Um, And while that had not been part of my life growing up whatsoever, like I didn't drink, I didn't sleep with people, I didn't, you know, um, I was kind of a good christian girl, you know, um i i i could see myself going there. You know, i could see myself getting into that and that scared me. And i just you kind of think well, so is that my fate? Like that's like i'm going to end up being like that. And that's where that hope comes in is like, no. Like you don't have to go through that. Cuz of course i don't i <laughs> i i don't want to have to go through something so drastic like divorce or infidelity or anything like that to all of a sudden, and then just have that, well, that's just part of the disease. Like, well, no, I really don't want to have to go through that. So it was, it was very helpful to, to get a hold on that when I, I was younger and I'm just so blessed to be able to have, to have that experience, you know, before I got married and had kids, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Wow, I just this is so fascinating to me and I'm I appreciate you, you know, sharing. I, f- I feel like it's so encouraging as well for um women who might be struggling in this way. So so when you left when you discerned out of um the convent, you then was there a, a period of time before, you know, you entered into your vocation? I'm just wondering then how how bipolar has affected you know, that discernment process and now your life as a wife and a mother.
1: Yeah. So actually I got married the day I left the convent. No, (laughs) I, I, no, yeah, I, that was hard um, because the, the convent I had um, discerned with or the community that I had discerned with, I was on track to go to medical school. I had done my undergraduate studies in exercise physiology and pre-med and I loved school and I was you know, good at it. So it was a great, like distraction for me for, from the mental stuff. It kind of was just kind of a rock in a sense. So then when I left the comet, and I, I was 27 and now I'm again, you know, really thinking, Oh, family and marriage, family life and marriage is, is most likely what I'm very called to. And, or I, I, I definitely felt that way. Um, Mm -hmm. Or it was very, very clear to me that that's the whole reason why I left, you know, was just that that's actually what I was called to. And so here I am, I'm 27. And that was kind of the biggest thing. It's like, well, now what do I do? Like my whole thought was to go to medical school. And it was just the first time that like, I i thought, well, gosh, how is this going to happen? <laughs> yeah. I always just thought, oh, I'll go to medical school. I'll get married and have kids. And like, I'll do the whole St. Gianna thing, you know? Right. And, <laughs> And it just doesn't, you realize like, well, medical school is a whole nother four years and that's very, very, you know, intense. And then there's an intense residency that follows that. And now I'm leaving the convent and I'm 27 and I'm for the first time thinking, how is this all going to work? Like I'm going to go to medical school and I'm going to get married and I'm going to have kids and I'm just going to magically do everything. And it just kind of hit me that I can't have everything, you know, I don't, mm. <laughs> you know, I'd always just been taught like, oh, dream big and go and do, you know, conquer the world kind of. And yeah. And then you kind of realize it, that, and that's a, that's not bad, but at the same time you do choose mm-hmm. at some point, like, yeah. I don't know if this is all going to work.
0: <laughs> yeah. I remember another guest saying, um, I might've been in one of the Patreon episodes, but she was talking about, how um, they've been trying to get into the habit of telling their kids um, instead of saying you can do whatever you want to do you they uh-huh. say instead you can do whatever God wants you to do uh-huh. and I thought that's like such a a great perspective because I also feel like I kind of grew up maybe it was like a generational thing where yeah. it was like you can do everything <laughs> and um but you're right like some we can't do everything right. and um some sacrifices do need to come. So. Yeah. And
1: that was one of the great just epiphanies that I had that I'm like, I don't think I'm going to be able to do both of these things. And hmm. then with just now I have these two years of like, okay, I have now I know I've, I have this mental health issue that I really need to be aware of and just really be um, diligent about uh-huh. keeping in check. Uh-huh. And right. through the practical things that I had learned, just the, Like for example, having a daily routine is very, very important, and um, I I don't know if medical school is going to be like the greatest path for having a daily routine, Um, right? And and so, and then I had my whole application ready anyway. I'm gonna my MCAT score had um, expired, so I had to go take it again. And so I did, I did that a few months after I had left the convent, just kind of as a, okay, well, this had always been the plan. I'm just going to go
0: do mm-hmm. this
1: and see where it leads. And I bombed it. I totally bombed it. Like, it
0: was mm-hmm. crazy.
1: Like I, had it, like, I paid to have it rescored because I'm like, are you serious? It <laughs> was my
0: score. It's funny how the Lord, like, closes doors like that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it was so great.
1: I remember coming up to my parents after I got my score. I'm like, I'm not going to medical school. <laughs> and they're like, what? And I'm like I'm no yeah I'm that's I'm not doing that mm-hmm. like it's just, it was so clear that I'm like okay that is not the path that I'm I'm going to be going on and it was very freeing and um, I mean it was really hard because you're like out of the hours and hours and hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. that you spent on college and and all that stuff but it's important to it's important it's hard but it's important to realize that like. God doesn't always work that way just because you've been doing this forever. Mm. Doesn't mean that like, Oh, I just need to keep on doing it. Mm, You know, I'm just going to get married to this guy because we've been dating forever. Like, (laughs) well, that's not necessarily the best. That's not always the wisest thing, you know, Um, but it is hard to, to close that door. But thankfully, I guess I just, I didn't agree too much and (laughs) yeah. And then let's see. I, I worked at a, at a retreat center during that year that followed, um, the, the year that, that followed that I left the convent and it was all again, God's grace. And, and, uh, then I, oh, I ended up, so I, then I ended up meeting my future husband and about nine months after i had left the convent and we started dating and, you know, the thing with. Then it's always the well. When do you tell this like person that you're interested in that you have this mental disorder? Mm. Um, that can be tricky, you know, and it can be very hard because you're like, oh, they're totally not going to be. They're not going to want to have any part of that. And that is a real that is a real thing that you do have to discern with that person because they might not be able to handle that. I so I think on like our maybe our I don't know. It was early on within the first couple of months. I mean, I didn't. It wasn't like the first date. I went up and I was like, "Hi, I'm Talia, and I have bipolar. So just let you know, <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, you um, you don't have to do that." But um, I I do remember thinking, I really I really like this guy, and and it just it just seems like yeah, I I did need to kind of mention it earlier rather than like really late, and because the thing is, it's easy to hide if from, you know, Hmm. for a certain amount of time, just like, like, like anything in dating, you know, you don't really like super, or you think, you know, each other so well, and then you get married and you're like, oh, wow. Right. (laughs) But so I maybe told him like on the fourth or fifth date, you know, I was like, so, and I, you know, I said, here's the situation. And, and I, and what was so great is that I'm a very reactive person. And my husband is not like he, thinks about things for a long time. And I never, ever experienced that growing up. So I am just yeah. like, wow, like, that's really great. <laughs> and, and so he thought about it. But then at the same time, that's what, what's so wonderful is that a lot of times, I mean, we're all humans. We all have our crosses, you know what I mean? And, and when you get married, you, you share those crosses, you know? And so right. like, he had his own crosses that he was like, well, do you want to share that with me? You know? Mm. And it was, it was kind of like, well, yeah, you know, um, beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's not that easy. You do have to think like, okay, this could be tough and, and it most likely will be tough. You do get through it if you rely on God's grace. And, Mm -hmm. and, um, and that's another thing I think with just becoming a wife and becoming a mom is just the immense support I have through my husband. Mm -hmm that has been so, I think so critical is that he, I mean, he is a grade a emotional support spouse, like, and that's, I mean, that always takes time, but I think with like any mental disorder, you really have to become very self-aware. I mean, even if you don't have a mental disorder, you have to be, it's very good to always grow in self-awareness so that when you are on the verge, you're on the verge of like losing it or, or hopefully before that, <laughs> you learn to like, okay, don't let get to that point. Um, But you're able to recognize what you need and then able to communicate, hey, this is what I need. So, you know, it's just been, it's so good. I mean, whether you have a mental disorder or not, it's so important to always grow in self-awareness so that like when your needs are not being met and, and to know what those needs are and then to honestly communicate those needs and that just uh, that just helps everything so so much um and it took me a long time to just a grow in self awareness uh, which never really ends um, cuz you're always changing anyway and then but i realized one of the things i had a hard time with was just like saying honestly what i needed from my husband you know like i'd always feel like oh i'm gonna, he's going to be am stupid or i'm not whatever and um no like He's just been great when I'm like I, I really need a break, and he's like, "Great, right, go." <laughs> oh, okay, great. <laughs> um, so that's been really helpful. Like, and then it gets to the point where your husband can almost see the need before you you do, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's been great when there's been times when he can say, "You just need to leave," <laughs> and I'm like. Okay, great. And you can't always do that, like, right at this moment, like, okay, I'm going to leave. Which is something that I think every, whenever you become a mom, that's one of your things like, oh, I can't, like, just go to the coffee shop right now, like, when I want to, you know, you. But that doesn't mean you'll never go to Mm the coffee shop ever. Like, you just have to plan it out a little bit better and go, I can't do it right now, but I can do it on Saturday when your grandma can watch the kids or I can get a babysitter or my husband's home or something, you know? So that's just been really, really helpful as far as having my support, which as a single woman, I just didn't have, you know? Yeah. You have your friends and you have your family and your doctors and that's all important, but you know, your spouse just brings such a great level of intimacy on so many levels, you know, that they just know you almost better than you know yourself. So that's just helpful.
0: Yeah, that's great. And they're, they're the ones that know you, that are there with you in and out in mm-hmm. your home day after day. So would you say when you became a mom, have there been like a lot of changes that have needed to take place? Or what have you found helpful in managing your health and well-being since becoming a mom?
1: When I think about this, I think in one way, my I don't think my life changed in, as far as my mental health changed more than any more than it changes with anybody who first becomes a mom. You know, I mean, I think I mean, thankfully, by that time, I had it well managed. And I guess the biggest things that that immediately changed was just my medicine that was I was on um was not pregnancy or nursing friendly. So that was that was kind of hard because it's never fun to kind of <laughs> figure out your medicine routine. Um yeah that's, that's hard. But to be honest, when you're pregnant and nursing, there's not a whole lot of options that I felt comfortable with. So I just went with the very, very, very safest stuff. Um, so that, and then, you know, your sleep cycle is the hardest. I mean, again, really that's for everybody, but, um, for sleep is very important for, for those dealing with bipolar, just having routine sleep and, because uh, that can just really affect your mood, and it—that's it, just a good practical step to take. And so that was hard because I nursed, you know, I've nursed with my my kids, and that kind of you don't really necessarily get to say, "Hey, honey, like, can you go feed them?" <laughs> you know, like, yeah, kind of. But you do figure you figure that out with your husband, and you do get to the point where you're like, "All right, you know what? They're gonna be okay if they get a bottle of formula once a." once a day, um, in the middle of the night, you know, or if you, if you know, if you want to, you can also have breast milk ready for them in the middle of the night and your husband can do something, you know, um, you figure that you, you figure that out with your husband. That's, that's what everybody goes through though. You know, when you become a mom is just, (laughs) I, I just feel like when it comes to that, Oh man, everybody goes through. And how do I take care of myself? <laughs> you know, and yeah. Um, but that's where I'm just I'm grateful that I was perhaps more hyper vigilant in that area because I knew I had this kind of this disease that I had to, to really be aware of. And I think I was I think I was just more f- afraid of not being able to mentally handle staying at home. I really felt called to stay at home, but I was like, what if I can't <laughs> mentally handle mm-hmm. it? Um, so, we were open to to seeing how that went, you know, and do I well I need to go back to work, but I have to admit, like it was so great we were able to afford that I could stay at home, and I mean really, it was one of those like once I stayed at home, I was like, I can't imagine going back to work um just you know uh my myself, so yeah, I guess other than that, you know, just my medicine had to really change, and um, my sleep routine. And then, well, obviously my daily routine really changed as far as like what I thought about routine, you know? And I think I've written that the most on that, on my yeah. blog of just like your perception of routine, your perception of productivity, your perception of what you can get done in a day just changes a lot. That again, that's kind of with everybody. Yeah, but I and I so I just I knew that routine was very important. So I was kind of I was the mom who kind of had my babies on a ner- I mean, nursing schedule, you know, and that mm-hmm. r- helped me really just keep composed. And, you know, I tried not to get to like into to like, oh, doing this method or this method. I kind of wanted to just be like, OK, natural, common sense. What did my grandma do? What did, What did my mom do? But at the same time, it is really helpful to like take advantage of some of those those things. And so, I remember I I did like sleep at quote unquote sleep train my kids. That was really helpful because I was kind of obsessed with like okay, they have to have a nap schedule and they have to, like, you know, because you know women other other women who are just like yeah, my kids don't have a nap schedule. You know, they just. And you realize that that's, that's fine. That works for them. There's a lot of women who are more laid back than you are. And that's where you just have to know yourself. Mm. Like, don't try to be laid back if you're not, you know? Yeah, um, that's good. And, and I think without that self-awareness, you just can, you easily can fall into that of just trying to do what everybody else does. And you're like, but that's just not me. Like, that's not good for me. That's, Not how I work, you know, but that can be hard, especially when you're just like desperate for one friend. Like, like like, I just need other moms, you know, to hang out with. They might not like be like me, but if they stay at home and they have kids, we're going to be friends. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And so I think that just knowing, just knowing myself, knowing that I needed a routine and therefore just being able to take a motherly approach to that, because I knew that that was going to be helpful for myself. And it ended up being really, it's ended up being really helpful for my kids too, I think. But then again, who knows, maybe I'll have a kid down the road who would just (laughs) run for my money. You know, you have to be ready for that too. Cause I'm like, well, maybe, maybe I've just had good sleepers. I don't know.
0: Yeah. That's, that's good to hear. I appreciate you sharing that. And I think that's good. Like, as you mentioned, I think those are things that are helpful for all of us to hear whether or not, you know, we struggle with, um, Mood swings or anxiety or anything. So, um, how how has your faith played into all of this?
1: Oh gosh, I think that's the. Oh, it's well, obviously it's been awesome, you know, but it's also mm-hmm. hard because you're dealing with a very psychological, biological thing, and then you have your faith on top of that. But. I came into the Catholic Church when I was 20, and one of the things I loved about that drew me to the Catholic Church was just, like, the fact that I could use my brain along with my faith, you know, and just, like, Mm. reason and faith were just so important, and I finally just found a place where I'm like, yeah, truth does not contradict truth, so that was, that's always just been very helpful, and I've never dealt with, I guess, like, oh, why did God give this to me, and I mean, maybe, but... I'm also like, well, everybody has a cross, you know, that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. And, and through that, I'm, I mean, he gives us our crosses in a sense that we can find joy, you know, mm-hmm. because it is hard, but often the hardest things do produce the most joy. So mm-hmm. I think it's just, it's just kind of, and again, having that foundation of, of, I know that the Lord loves me through all of this. I'm not like any less or any, anything like that. It's definitely been humbling. I think that's been the biggest thing. It's just been humbling. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I I probably struggle with my prayer life just as much as any other mom, where you're just like, okay, I'm going to say morning Mm -hmm. offering. If I can do that (laughs) and just kind of offer up my day to the Lord, if that's the minimum I can do, then that's what I can do. But then, of course, there's so many, there's so many times you can pray throughout the day or through what you're doing and all that. But I think if I really, (laughs) how it's really tied in is that it's just been so interesting how the bipolar has really helped me discern. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. discern that medical school and discern that, like, I really need to avoid my extremes. And in that, that's helped me really grow in virtue, I believe, because, Mm -hmm. I mean, and this is something that we're going through in my grad program right now. It's just like virtue is always in the middle. It's mm-hmm. and it's in the middle of two vices. And as a, as a person with bipolar, you're always dealing with extremes. Like you're always, or at least I do, you know, mm-hmm. I all or nothing thinking is very, very is something that really needs to be overcome. And by doing that, you know, finding that golden mean hope that helps you grow in virtue. So I think that's kind of that's that's kind of helped you in that sense and on a like a natural level but then that that ties in that's what I love about like the natural level very much always ties into like our faith level because
0: Mm.
1: like I said truth doesn't contradict truth and so I think it's it's helped me just be very hyper vigilant of where I have extremes and I need to Mm. be very cautious of not doing that not overcorrecting, and just kind of staying in the middle. And then I think it's really helped me to just simplify, <laughs> like mm, just yeah. simplify. Um, because obviously it's not just like, Oh, my whole psychology is bipolar. I'm still like a normal person and I still get overwhelmed or I still like, you know, you don't have to have bipolar to like <laughs> adapt bad coping strategies for when you get stressed. Out. Everybody does that. Mm. Or, and the whole point is to like, we want to develop good coping strategies. And so one thing for myself is to really realize I get overwhelmed kind of easily. And so I avoid that. <laughs> um, yeah. And maybe some other person can handle that, but I I don't think I can. And that's okay. Just simple things like sometimes, you know, like big day trips that people are like, oh, we're all going to take our kids to the zoo for the day. And I'm like, that sounds really stressful to me. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I mean, not that I never want to do anything with my kids, but like, I'm very much like, okay, I have a two hour window. I can go do something but I can't be gone all day. Like, and,
0: yeah,
1: and, and I mean, I, and that'll change once the kids get older too, I'm sure. And because um, it's just, motherhood is always changing, but um, that's where, it, like I said, it's just going to be self-aware and that's where, but just by simplifying, that's just made, it's just made my life so much slower in a good way like mm, you know at yeah. first when you become a mom it can be like oh my there's just so like it's so slow and and then you have more kids and you're like okay <laughs> right so there's a little bit more yeah but it's just it's just been so great to like kind of leave leave what again like oh i'm going to go conquer the world and do all these great things like i don't have to do that and what how the world tells me i should do that you know I
0: can do that.
1: Because that, I'm just going to be able to do that through Jesus, you know, like just what yeah, he, the graces that he gives me in my own vacation, in my own little life at home, day to day. And sometimes you feel weird because you're just like, oh, yeah, we have supper every night together as a family. And everybody's like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, like, isn't that normal? And um, you realize that's that that's not always normal for everyone now. Mm, and um, Yeah. Just really trying to take that as a gift and just taking that slowness of life. And it does take time to get used to it. But that's where I also live in a rural area. I live, I mean, the town I live in literally has 400 people. So, I mean, yeah. you know, we're still, you know, I mean, both my husband and I grew up on farms and it took a while to get used to to that again of just like, wow, not everything is very convenient, but it's so great. Like then I'm not tempted as much to like go places, I guess. Um, so I guess, I don't know if that really answers the question, but like that's kind of, um, yeah, it's just been, it's been great to kind of, in a sense, yeah, help me go through that. So,
0: yeah, I love that. And I think that just goes back to what you were saying about, um, self-awareness as well and how, how that's good for all of us.
1: And that's kind of, kind of what inspired me to like, start the blog or just start talking about it more. Cause I'm like, you know, I kind of deal with normal stuff. It's just more exacerbated by this disease, like, you know? And, right. Um, yeah. That can be a blessing because I, I, what I see, I see other moms or women kind of, I'm like, yeah, we deal with the same things. I just have to maybe take medicine and go to therapy a little bit more, but it's, it's the same, same stuff. Now. I mean, Bipolar can be a very serious thing if you let it get out of control. Um, And that's where I'm I'm grateful to be able to have kind of gotten the diagnosis earlier. Um, Because once you start acting out on the highs and the lows, then you start, yeah, now you start entering, you know, alcoholism and drug abuse and promiscuity and eating disorder. And then all of a sudden it becomes about, well, now you have this physiological Addiction or crisis that we need to address. It can be hard then to miss the underlying
0: reason for that. So mm-hmm. that makes sense. Um, so we we've talked a little bit about postpartum depression on the on the show before, and I'd love to ask you about this as well. Have you felt like you've needed to combat certain stigmas regarding mental health, and maybe especially as a mom? You
1: know, in a sense, I would say my short answer is not really. I think I dealt with it early on when I, when I was diagnosed and the biggest thing is I had to overcome my own stigmas that I had. Mm. And now I'm like, yeah, it's totally normal. It's totally normal to go to therapy. It's totally normal to take medicine. It's totally normal. Like, so maybe I'm just oblivious. I mean, I know that there's this stigma out there, but I think personally, I haven't had to like really combat that because I've already done that myself, you know, which is the hardest part. Mm. Um, And when, you know, obviously people don't know me on the first day that they meet me that I have bipolar. Um, and so a lot of times by the time that perhaps they know that they're like, Oh really? Cause you seem normal. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I am normal, but you know, I just, um, I just have to really try hard, really hard to be normal <laughs> um, mm-hmm. or, you know, I have to have these certain things in place to, to live a, a normal daily life. So I, and I guess maybe that's just my personality too. I'm just like, um, I mean, there are certain things, especially I'd say for like older generations that they're like, oh, you don't need to go to therapy, you know? And it's like, no, no, I I think it's good. I think, it, <laughs> I think it's good for beneficial for anybody. Like I said, like in the rural area, maybe, yeah. Maybe it's a little bit more, you know, a little like... The rural areas are always, you know, 20 years behind everything, but, <laughs> um, but that's okay. I guess that's where I'm grateful to have, I, I'm not shy about it, you know? I mean, I'm not like, yeah, announcing it to the whole world, but I'm like, yeah, it is what it is. And yeah, it's okay. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah. That's good. So for other moms who might be struggling with something, um, whether that be like mood swings or anxiety or Um, something else, but are hesitant to bring it to light um, or talk about it with anyone. Do you have encouragement or tips or maybe like next steps they should take? Yeah,
1: well, I think it's always important, especially if you, I would say, especially if you know that there's a certain disorder that runs in your family or you see, if if you feel like you have this hidden part of you, you know, that you're like, okay, I kind of have these thoughts, you know but you're like kind of putting on a show for everyone. You know, If you, I don't know.
0: Mm, but, um, that makes sense to me. If you don't feel like
1: you're being really authentic, if you're like, I have this part that I'm really, really struggling with, um, whether it's depression or anxiety or whatever, I would say the first thing to do is to, tr- is to tell someone you really trust and um, whether that be your spouse or just a really good friend or really good um, or, or your a family member or something, somebody who you know will is going to support you and not just be like, "Oh, that's everybody's like that," you know. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And sometimes, if you don't have that person in your life, which can happen, unfortunately, um, is is to to call your doctor, you know. And some, but sometimes your doctor, you are like, I don't want to tell my doctor either. I don't know. It, what I would suggest, though, for like, let's say you really feel like you have nobody you can tell. Um, The Catholic Psych Institute is a good, a good resource. I think Um, you know, reaching out to maybe you don't want to tell anybody that you know, like face to face. You want to like talk to somebody that is very um, doesn't know you, very objective, and that's that's fine. I would I would reach out to them. They do psychological evaluations, um, as far as I know. Um, But I think that's just the biggest step is to reach out and to tell somebody and. And it's okay if that person that you do tell kind of like shoves it off. You know what I mean? Just kind of, then just maybe reach out to somebody else, but just, you know, take it to prayer and not that prayer is going to fit, but the, I mean, the Lord has given us really good doctors and, and, you know, medicines have come to light that, that do help. Not that that means that you're going to have to go on medicine. Doesn't mean you're going to have to go to therapy. Doesn't mean you have to But I would just say, don't, don't feel stupid about it, but address it. Don't, don't minimize it either. And just know that you're not alone and know that this doesn't mean that, oh my goodness, the rest of your life is going to be like tainted by this scarlet letter. Like it it might not be that. And even if it is like this disease, because I remember asking like, so does bipolar go away? And my psychiatrist was like, no, it doesn't. And I'm like, oh, that was also kind of hard. Like I have this my whole life. Yeah, that's. But just know that there's hope, and that you can change. I think that's that's the biggest thing too. Is that like you can change. You might be not be able to change everything, but you you can change the way you think. I mean, at least that's what I've gone through. I through therapy and everything. I was really able to like rewire my brain in a sense. You know, to the way I talk to myself and the way I perceive different things. You know, sometimes we grow up with with certain things that aren't helpful. And so those little things need to be rewired a little bit, but it and that's hard. But you can, it's very possible.
0: That's great. That's really helpful. I I know when I was when I was pregnant with Faustina, um, our, our youngest, I like during the pregnancy was noticing like some of the things that I felt when I had a little bit of uh, postpartum depression after we had had a miscarriage. And um, I remember bringing it up to my women's group and I just shared like, you know, I'm not really feeling like myself and Mm -hmm. I'm feeling like a little bit off (laughs) and, you know, that's all I shared, but um, just to say it. And then later that day, I got a text message from a woman in the group who just said basically, it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to reach out to your doctor and just say what you're feeling and what you're experiencing. And I was so thankful for that encouragement. And that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't brought it up and just said it, you know, to a group of friends um, in, a, in a trusted group. And yeah, I was so thankful for that encouragement, because then I was able to um, go to my doctor and figure out that it was something to do with the progesterone medicine that I was on and try and get things kind of, uh, worked out to help with that. So yeah, I I love that your encouragement is just to, um, to share it with someone that you trust and, um, go from there. So, and you don't
1: know, it might just be, all you needed is a little lift up, you know what I mean? And just support, you know, don't, uh, don't catast you know don't make it a catastrophe quite yet like you know it's
0: yeah it, that's it's true like
1: okay it's all right because there's been so many times when like I think something is oh my goodness this is awful and then I say it to like my husband and he's like okay well that we can deal with that and I'm like right. oh okay
0: <laughs> yeah that's, that's easier than I thought that's so good to mention because I think it is easy to swing from like one pendulum you know one side to the other and there are extremes and Yeah, I love what you said about virtue being in the (laughs) middle, you know, virtues in the middle. And um, it's good to just uh, be aware of like, where we might be. And some sometimes telling someone they're able to, like more clearly see (laughs) where we're at or what the situation is. And yeah, that's that's great.
1: That's very, like, important, especially like, well, with bipolar, you get a lot of ideas and you get a lot of things and it's important to like, just get out of yourself. I mean that, but yeah, whether you have bipolar, mm. sometimes you have these thoughts and you say them out loud and they're like, wow, that that's really unreasonable Like <laughs> when I say that out mm. loud. So why am I letting it get to me, you know, or why am I like even tempted to believe that's even true, you know, because just saying out loud or even writing it down or, or, you know, just getting it out is allows you to kind of see it from a different perspective rather than just like all in your head. And then it balloons. And Mm, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, So Talia, how have you seen the Lord at work in your life the last year? Oh,
1: wow. Well, um, I'd say the biggest thing is just being blessed to be part of this um, grad program that I'm in. That was kind of a surprise, but it's been so good. I, I struggled a lot after I had my second. After my son was born, it was just like, I don't know, just the transition from one kid to two kids was really hard for me. And I then I really felt lost with like, oh, in my motherhood. And I think that, you know, just kind of the normal stuff that like, you feel like all I do is change diapers and feed people and wash dishes. But I know that that's good. And yet there's this part of me that like, I feel like I really want to be able to to, to give. Um, there's this other part of me that I want to give and, or, or hone in on my skills. And so when I found this grad program, it was just like the missing piece for me. It was just mm-hmm. like, oh, this is so great. And it's the format is just so great because I'm able to work on it like during nap time or, or anytime. I mean, I, I, I do try to like rest myself when my kids are sleeping or do something I enjoy, but it's just, and it's not like, ridiculous, rigorous, crazy. Um, I mean, it, I think the program, what they say is like 10 to 15 hours a week is what what, what it consists. And you take one class at a time. <laughs> so mm. full-time student, I take three credits. Like that's all you take at the most. And they're just so good. Uh, it's just been really great to use that part of my brain and then just to learn something that I'm passionate about, but then have it be in, in line with my faith. It's just like, whoa that, man like so um so yeah that's just been really really great and giving me a lot of hope for like what the future holds like oh I can you know just it's so easy for people to work from home you know now with just like internet and everything and like make their own hours and and so anyway um that's just been that's just gives me kind of some fire too you know to to think about that. Um, But then also to have my husband be like, well, we can do this as long as it doesn't take away from your primary vocation, you know? And I'm like, absolutely. And and in a sense, it's just made, I feel like I've just been happier. Like I've just been a happier mom and a happier wife because I get to do this little thing on the, on the side. So that's been really helpful and just um, just a blessing from the Lord because it kind of just fell into my lap. Like I wasn't really like, Oh, I want to go back to school. It just, Happened, and then it was like, "Oh, thank you."
0: <laughs> that's that's wonderful, and I I feel similarly about um, podcasting. It's really I think made me a better wife and mother because I have um, a little bit of time to kind of like step back. And, um, when I go back into, you know, the full-time momming, I'm able to be refreshed a little bit from, from that time. And also, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned, just using a different part of your brain and it just, uh, yeah, it's been a refreshing thing for me as well. So, yeah.
1: And gives another outlet to connect with people.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly. That
1: that was hard too, because I'm an extrovert. And so like staying at home, I'm like, oh gosh. Yeah. (laughs) So,
0: but it's. It's been great that way. Right. Yeah, that's great. Um, and what is your favorite part of your home and why? Oh, I was thinking about this
1: and <laughs> there's so many parts. Um, <laughs> and I was thinking, I'm like, oh, it changes with the seasons. Like in the totally, summer. Totally, yeah. I love to be outside in our backyard. And then at Christmas time, I love to be in our living room. Um, mm. That's where the tree is. And but, And obviously I like to be in the kitchen. But I would say... I was really thinking about it and I really love being in our living room. I would say is my favorite part. And we have this big recliner and um, I, I, like I'm so grateful that my daughter especially is a huge cuddler. Like she just loves to cuddle and it's just, it's so nice to like sit on the couch and just watch Daniel Tiger with her or Mm you know, sometimes we just like watch Wheel of Fortune after supper or something and just (laughs) like cuddle. And then, yeah. And just, there's just something about that, that makes you also stop and realize like, I'm not going to be able to do this forever, (laughs) you know, or, Mm. you know, and then like my recliner, you know, I uh, spent a lot of time nursing there. (laughs) So yeah, I, I, yeah, our living room, I just really like, and then at night when the kids go to bed, that's where my husband and I usually end up lounging or, you know, vegging. So that I would say, I guess that's my, yeah, that's my favorite part.
0: I love that. That's great. Um, and do you have any mom hacks to share or something that's making your life a little oh, easier? Okay. Well, I'm not really a huge,
1: I don't feel like any of my hacks are like original. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that's okay. But... I'll go. Okay. So I just shared this at our women's group the other day. Um, I have a scone recipe that I really love. Mm-hmm. I like it because I can make up the dough and then I can cut it into the pieces, you know, cut it into the triangles and then I can freeze it. And then when like a friend is kind of come over in the morning or I just get an unexpected guest, I can still pop something in the oven and have something ready in like 15 minutes. And that's so great because I'm like, okay, muffins you kind of have to have to have them baked already I mean (laughs) there's certain things um and it seems like I usually get like people in the morning if I do and so um or even on Sundays I love to have like a baked good on Sunday but I don't really like want to (laughs) bake and so yeah that's oh and it's just such a good recipe um so it's just nice to be able to like get up on Sunday morning and put the scones in the oven and go back to bed. And then like you get up and you put the glaze on them and then yeah. everybody has a little Sunday morning treat, you know? Um, but you don't have to like, you know, you can do it beforehand. So again, it comes back to the freezing food thing,
0: but that's so great. I, um, I will have to get the recipe because, um, I, I, I really love that. This is probably one of my favorite mom hacks. So I'm so, so <laughs> glad you mentioned it, but I, um, So I used to keep little frozen cookie dough things in the freezer Mm -hmm. that I could pop in if someone was coming over. But what I found was that I would, like, eat the cookie dough. (laughs) And that's where most of it was going. And I think scones are genius. They're so, like, homey and thoughtful and, like, a great little something to pull out and put pop in the oven so um maybe you can send us the recipe yes. and I can put it in the show notes for people
1: well, yeah, and that's why I'm like okay I, I had the same thing where I'm like I'd freeze cookies I'd freeze brownies I and I'm like yeah I end up eating all these so yeah <laughs> so but rock raw scones like mm, they're not not so much yeah on a rainy morning when you're like you know you just ask your kids like hey you guys want a treat you know and
0: yeah
1: and sit inside and enjoy the rain and and have that so yeah i love
0: that great great that'll be perfect um well talia thank you so much for um coming on the show where can people go to um check out your blog or maybe get in contact with you
1: yeah, sure. So my blog is deardymphna.com.
0: And I just realized we didn't even talk about that the oh. of <laughs> the blog. Would yeah. you just briefly share about who Dymphna is? And-
1: oh, sure. So I just, um, so St. Dymphna is the patron saint of mental disorders. And um, mm-hmm. so she was just really great. Um, I remember there was a huge, huge icon of her in the clinic that I first underwent therapy. And I remember being like, who's that? And they're like Saint Dymphna, and I'm like mm-hmm. Saint like, who? <laughs> That's <laughs> oh okay. Um, and so yeah, she's her, and it's it's actually her, her um, her dad, like suffered from a mental illness and wanted to, you know, engage in ancestral relations and whatever. And then he ended up cutting off her head and something <laughs> crazy like that. But so she's just a good intercessor, and so I've just become closer to her and and asking for her for her intercession through all of that and then when i'm just at you know praying for others who might be struggling I, I often ask for her intercession and um so yeah so i don't know my blog is is right now it's a fun project since i started school but yeah i've just been able to write some articles about how i've been able to kind of deal with bipolar or what i do and, and i think it's helpful to you know, um, not that the world needs another mom blog, but like, you know, um, I, I just have I wasn't able to find any blogs from a Catholic or Christian point of view, even um, that dealt with that. And when you are dealing with like, um, even from a Catholic perspective, there are some things that that do come into play, you know, um, that really like other people just kind of take for granted things like birth control or something, you know, and you're like, Oh, that's not really, I can't really do that. you know, or, I, I don't do that, you know, or right. s- things like that. So how do you, how do you deal with that? So yeah, just hoping to, I don't know. I'm like, well, if there's one person out there that this can help, then that's great. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's been also very cathartic for myself. So. so that's so great. Uh, and, um, and then I have, I have Instagram and that's the only social media I have. <laughs> and, okay. And that's at dear dimphna as well.
0: Okay. Wonderful. And I'll link to those in the show notes uh, for people that want to check it out. And I just want to thank you for your ministry because I think it's, I think there's a need for it. And um, I think it's beautiful that you've just responded to the call and um, are doing it. So thank you. Thank you. Let me go ahead and close this in a prayer. Jesus, uh, thank you for the lives you've given us. Um, Help us to know you and see you in our day to day. Lord, we offer our trials and our struggles to you, and we trust in you, and we make this prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hi friends, I love how Talia shared the importance of knowing ourselves, our limits, and what we might need to thrive as moms. I also love her encouragement to share with our spouse, family member, or friend when we're struggling. Thanks for listening in today. You can find the show notes of today's episode at diapersanddisciples.com. Until next time, you all are in my prayers. God bless.